0: All right, everybody, welcome back to the second episode of the Tough Love Podcast. Just wanna start out by thanking all of you for your support and your feedback on the first episode. Hearing from you all means so much to us and we want to get to know you. So please, if you have any ideas, thoughts, or you just want to share your story, please don't hesitate to reach out to us either through direct message on our Instagram, or you can always send us an email at tough.love.stories at gmail.com So today's topic, we're going to be talking about school relationships and our relationship to school. And we all know that adoption affects us in so many ways, and for a lot of us in, in almost every way. And this doesn't stop with school. Um, So to Lauren and Deontay, um, either of you guys can start. What have your experiences been uh, with school regarding your adoption?
1: Yeah, I can go ahead and start us off. Um, So I really struggled with my behavior in school from elementary through about seventh grade. I was always that kid interrupting class I was always that kid getting sent to the principal's office or getting sent out of class. And I would just distract my peers, mouth off the teachers, just a lot of behavioral issues. You know, anything you name, I probably did in the class, uh, destroying property, all that, and getting sent to in school suspension on a few occasions as well. So my experience in school has just been having lots of behavioral issues. Uh, Lauren, is that similar to your experience?
2: My experience was a little bit different. I had more of the academic struggles. And I remember being young. I don't know what grade, maybe fourth or fifth. No, I don't remember. But I had to get tested um, and do one of those two-day, all-day testings to see what I struggled in, and I remember the results being pretty serious, and I tested really low in basically every single one of the categories that they tested me on, and I remember feeling really stupid, and I remember feeling really dumb, and I also had a reader. She would take me out of class, and I'd read with her, and I felt as though I was different than everyone, and I didn't want to do it, and I was embarrassed. And that actually continued all the way through high school, where I got 100% extended time on tests. If I wanted a reader, I could have a reader. But I had a lot of extra special help that I rejected and I hated it. And I just felt that I wanted to be like everyone else. And I didn't understand why I was different. Now, looking back, I wish I had used all of those amazing reinforcements that I had that I rejected. And I think I could have done much better than I did. Um, Not that that matters now, of course. Um, And, but, you know, high school was really hard. College was difficult, undergrad. And I think it wasn't until graduate school where I felt successful and a really good student, as though I really knew what I was doing. I could I had good comprehension, I understood what I was reading. And so that was a really long, intense journey for me to get to where I am now.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I was always that kid that felt different from uh, my peers. I remember telling my mom, one of my lowest points in my childhood, there's something wrong with me. I know there's something wrong with me, like, I am just not like my friends. And that's when my mom decided to get me tested as well. Um, so we did one of those two day long extensive tests. And, you know, they found out that the two hemispheres of my brain weren't communicating at their optimal level. So I did need a lot of extra support and I would struggle with reading. I still struggle with reading. Um, I get a lot of headaches and so I had to go to vision therapy in high school for about two years to try to correct that.
2: Yeah I was diagnosed with um, ADD and dyslexia and dysgraphia and dysgraphia is you I'm pretty sure just your handwriting goes from really big to really little and So, and then I was medicated. I don't know about you, Deontay, but I was medicated on Ritalin and then it turned into Concerta and I just remember getting really sweaty and just feeling gross all day and also simultaneously feeling like a zombie and stimulants were definitely not, I didn't think were supportive. I think it just made me really quiet. And so no one realized there was something wrong because I was just sitting there, shaking, sweaty, and uh, staring out into space.
1: Yes, um, the behavioral pieces got to be really bad, both at home and at school, to the point that my parents took me to a psychiatrist and she prescribed me a whole bunch of medications. One of them made me gain a whole lot of weight in a very uh, short amount of time, which did not help the school of things because I was so big that I got so big in such a quick period of time that all my friends would harass me about it. Um, My coaches were like, hey, man, like, what's going on with you? And it was really hard um, to go from being one of the smaller kids, not height-wise, but just body size-wise to – easily one of the biggest kids in the class.
2: Definitely, that I can imagine is so difficult. I definitely had a time where I was bigger and this is kind of off topic, but I remember going to the doctor and the doctor showing me a chart and telling me where I was and where I was supposed to be. And I remember feeling a lot of shame. And now looking back, my question is, well, why weren't you telling my mom? If, you know, why are you looking at me, the kid? Which I think, Um, Well, I hope it doesn't happen too often, but I do think that it does happen more often than we think.
1: Yeah, Um, Glenna and Lauren, I'm curious kind of what it was like, because in my school environment, I was the only adoptee, and I'm curious kind of where that adoption piece came into play in our school experience.
0: Yeah, so actually very similar to Lauren. I grew up just really behind and that carried on, you know, ADHD, O C D, anything along that line. And I remember being really confused about this and I, I specifically remember teachers being really frustrated with me and not having the patience to understand. And as I've grown and been able to reflect on on my learning style, I just have noticed that it's just different and I just need a lot more time and focus. And I have a harder time focusing, and that just wasn't something that was supported in my school system. I also felt pretty outcasted, just in general, especially early high school. I was really shy, really awkward, <laughs> um, and and just really unsure of myself. And it was being a twin. Actually, it's very interesting because I mean, there's constant competition, and so that was always
2: something that was on my mind too. Did your sister go to school with you, or were you always separated?
0: yeah we went to school together from elementary all the way up actually until graduate school so we went to college together
2: were you in the same classes in elementary and high school
0: yes Home So our senior year yeah yeah our senior year we actually had the exact same schedule they just wow. like didn't even want to bother with separating us they just put us right together which seems like fine right and it seems like oh yeah they're twins they do everything together but actually like caused a lot of problems.
1: (laughs) No, that seems really hard because it doesn't allow you that chance to go down your own path and separate yourself from your sister and be like, hey, I'm Glenna. This is me. This is my journey. It's always the two sisters together.
0: Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Natalie and I have like finally separated and we're what now, 22. And I feel like we finally have figured out our own paths. So that's that's really interesting. Something that I think definitely affected us both.
2: Were you the only adoptee in your school?
0: No, uh, there was actually another set of twins who were adopted from Russia. Uh, Whoa! Enough, and and we were good friends with them. We never talked about adoption. I didn't talk about adoption at all until I got into college. Yeah,
1: I was the only adoptee, which is why Heritage Camp was really great for me because I was able to be around other people like me because when I would go back home, there was nobody, Um, there was rarely any other black people and if there was, um, there was a big difference between them and me and I would often get bullied by them. So
2: yeah, I remember being the only adoptee until high school. And then there was a bunch of adoptees and I was actually really good friends with another adoptee, but we didn't talk about adoption. And so that was interesting. And in elementary and middle school, I was basically the only person of color. So I didn't get racial mirrors, but I am pretty light skinned. And I could almost pass for Israeli or something more middle eastern which goes along with the whole you know jewish community so i think that was supportive to me
0: it's kind of interesting to me that we all seem to have relationships or friendships with other adoptees when we were in high school but we never talked about it do you guys like why do we think that that might be
1: i think sometimes you can just sit in a space and be with other adoptees and not have that conversation um but i think sometimes it can get hard even to talk about adoption with other adoptees um especially if you're not given those tools and haven't done the practice to have those hard conversations
2: yeah i agree with that definitely not having the tools not knowing how to start a conversation not realizing that adoption impacted me all of those things i think played a role i still don't Necessarily, well, other than you too, you know, I don't normally just say, "Hey, I'm adopted." Want to talk about all of our trauma together? You know, that's not fun. Well, it's a little fun, but most people don't think it's fun. <laughs> and also, I don't know. If, I don't think I was thinking this at all. But even now, I never know how someone's going to react or what their experience is or if they're in the fog, if they even understand. And so, I think that maybe now more than before would hold me back. But now at this point, everyone knows my, you know, my shtick and everyone knows that I think adoption is a trauma. And so I think it's more apparent now.
1: Yeah. I think now that we're older, we have those tools and have done a lot of the work, but even then I'm not having these conversations with my non-adopted friends. I need to, that needs to be something that I start doing because it's a huge part of my identity, but it's hard. And when I was a kid, those conversations definitely weren't happening.
2: Yeah. That even links with one of the questions you have on how we should, what was it? Help people to understand or how we can.
0: Yeah. So how should we respond or how could we respond as adoptees to our peers if this this conversation comes up? especially around people who, who don't know or don't share our same views or understanding um, So basically, how could we best educate others?
2: I think when it comes to school, it's, some of that is really on the parents to educate the kids and support them. For example, I just had a kid um, who they had a play date and when they were outside, A comment was made about, oh, that's so sad you were adopted or your mom didn't love you, which is pretty common. I remember I shared with a a client once that I was adopted and I think they were seven, and their automatic response was, I'm sorry. And I think that's a pretty common thing that happens. And so I think if the parents could, almost even I was thinking making a pamphlet on what to say if this happens and how to respond and um and then the parents could talk to the teachers you know there's always parent conference and can give the kids some things to say and I think those are probably the best ways is to empower us the kids to know how to respond when we're met with comments like oh well they didn't love you obviously which is really sad
1: yeah you know that reminds me I will never forget. I was in seventh or eighth grade and we were out on the field um, having recess and this girl came up to me and was saying, hey, Deontay, you should talk to my dad. He's adopted so he knows what it feels like to be abandoned. And, you know, I understood that she wasn't trying to to be mean I understood that her intention was honest and caring but that comment stung so much and I remember looking at her and saying like why would you say that I wasn't abandoned and when you use words like abandoned that hurts and you're putting what you think my story is on me. If I use that word, fine. That might be self-deprecating, but that's my truth. I'm allowed to speak my experience and use those words. But when someone comes up to you and uses words like that, that's really hurtful. And so I think telling our kids and our fellow adoptees, hey, it's your experience. You get to choose whatever wordage works for you and also you get to decide who you tell your story to or not.
2: Absolutely. And sometimes it comes out without thinking, and then we get these really harsh statements that... So in that moment, did you say that? Did you know what to say? Or is that just now that you can look back and say that?
1: It was definitely not as articulate as (laughs) that. Um, There was a lot of fuck yous and... A lot of anger and my friends may or may not have had to remove me from that situation because getting a little heated but you know that was hard that was hurtful that was really hard to hear and just having someone say that to you out of the blue was so bad and having them not even realize that you can't say that to somebody I think that was what really impacted me long term was they did not even realize that what they were saying was hurtful. Like the same thing when people are like, oh, what about your real parents? Those Mm -hmm. same types of comments. People do not mean to say those things in a way that's hurtful, but they are.
0: I guess, too, that's important for us as adoptees to recognize, especially now, you know, as, as we're older, that it is a lot of times just lack of understanding that, that it's so personal, right? Like, Deontay, that, that personally affected you and that personally hurt you, um, that comment. And I guess if, if we, you know, can gain that insight and be able to see that and be able to respond to our own emotions and respond with compassion you know shed some insight and education onto this matter but yeah absolutely i mean i think anybody would have responded the way you did i mean it's so personally affecting so it's like a matter of how do we how do we react to something so personal something that affects us so deeply in an environment like school where we're kind of told to like do your own thing, you know, just do your studies. And I guess, so tying onto that. So what have you guys seen or what do you think could be implemented in school systems, whether in elementary or middle school or high school or even college?
1: You know, one of the things that was really difficult and I found a way to own it and kind of make it my own, but family trees, um, Doing those were always really hard because sometimes I would just do my um, adoptive family and how that family tree looks. Sometimes I would try to put in my birth family and because it is an open adoption. So I had both influences in my life and both families shaped who I am. Um, So honestly, creating those in a way that you acknowledge adoptees, be really helpful. That makes sense. Of- yeah, because I think that those are times that you feel different,
0: right? Like those family tree uh, presentations we probably all had to do in elementary school. That's so interesting, Deontay. Yeah, I remember having to do mine in elementary school, and like I remember thinking, like, oh wow, I'm doing my, I'm not doing my my biological family. <laughs> I was doing, you know, my Family here in America. I remember. Oh man, everyone else is doing. You know, their their parents and or family history. Yes. You know,
1: I'm sitting up here as like a black man, and they're like, "Deontay, what's your family history?" I'm like, "Well, I'm Welsh and Irish and like all this shit," because that's my adoptive family. That is my family, and I think the way I look at it is like, yeah, that's my lineage, even though it's not. But it's how my brain pieces it together
2: Hmm. that's so funny i remember i drew a picture or i made a collage picture but it had blue eyes blonde hair it just didn't look anything like me and it was a (laughs) self-portrait and i think that's actually really important too because oftentimes if you have kids you know pick a skin color well with crayola there used to only be one I think it was called, was it called Skin Color or something like that?
1: Yeah, it was. it was. I know exactly what you're talking about.
2: And I'd always use that. And there was a study done too around Black kids and they always want the lighter skin. And I think Crayola just came out recently with uh, with many different colors for skins, which I love and I think is amazing. But even those self-portraits can be really telling to let us see what the ideal version of ourselves look like. Just thinking about how I wanna make a family tree right now on both and do that and allow that to be really healing for me now that I'm in reunion and have some of this information. Um, I also wanted to talk about um, just being triggered around this stuff and how it's so common to become really triggered and going back to the, like what we can do is all the parents I work with, if their kids become triggered easily, which a lot of them do, we ha- they have placement um, plans in place. So the teachers know that and they know how to be supportive. And so I think really recruiting the parent and the teacher and whatever else the IEP team um, could be really supportive as well. Because what I can say and what I've witnessed is that while there is a lot more trauma training, there's still a lot that needs to be done, especially because adoption is its own special, unique trauma. It isn't, you know, kind of is all over the map versus it's very clearly this thing or this thing or this thing.
0: So what have you seen or experienced in the school environment that has surprised you? In relation to adoption I know for me it was um, being able to take a class on adoption in my undergraduate at the University of Denver it just I didn't even know the class existed it was a communications class and one of my friends um, heard about it and had known I was adopted and that was pretty much it like you know you're adopted right there's a class on adoption and so even at that point I wasn't totally sure of of my adoption or anything you know under the surface and so it was was mainly just curiosity of like oh I'm adopted (laughs) this class is on adoption and of course it was completely different and opened my eyes to everything and and how I met Lauren but just even the fact that there was a class offered really amazed me and, and gave me a lot of hope for the future.
1: I haven't like I haven't taken a class on adoption or seen that offered. I will say it's interesting as an adoptee when I'm in my social classes talking about uh, human services and child protective services, and you know, hearing things like ideally the kid should stay in their biological household if you can uh, give that family the resources that they need to ensure that. They can raise the kid successfully, so I think that's always been an interesting place for me because I'm here sitting as an adoptee, and I was placed up for adoption, obviously. And I guess you know those resources weren't ready for me to help my birth mom, or something failed in the system. And the idea that ideally I should have stayed with my birth family. It's kind of weird because it also makes me feel like well shoot I love my adoptive family and it makes me feel like should this process should this placement not have happened
2: yeah I definitely think that that is something that as we start to uncover and read more about adoption we find um, evidence for maybe why it wasn't, or could it could have been potentially better for us and our mental health if we stayed with our birth families? I remember reading something similar and being shocked and sad. And I think I'm old enough now to reflect and be really grateful for all of my opportunities and for living the life that I have now that I get to be a part of this with you two and to be a part of the adoption community and you know if I didn't go through this and I wouldn't know Pam and I wouldn't know Heritage Camps and I wouldn't know so many things in my life that make so much sense and give me so much healing I wouldn't have even been on the platter if I had stayed with my bio family and I lived in South America. And so, you know, I think it's both, but I think a lot of kids and teens, I think if a teenager found that out, we'd probably be in big trouble because I think they would just have so much anger and be so upset and, and their brains aren't truly developed enough to fully understand something as abstract as I just said, that being grateful for my trauma and being grateful to be placed place for adoption. Um, and I really, and I know I want to be really careful about how I say this, but I really do view my life as a blessing. And I am truly grateful every single day, even though I know that this wounding will be with me forever and I have to work it every single day.
0: Absolutely. That is, yeah, that's such a true point. To speak to that personally, I remember being in the class like in college, um, you know, I was, I was. 21, and I really thought that I kind of had my head on my shoulders, right, and that I was figuring things out. And yeah, finding out about that was was really difficult. While I'm especially grateful that that class existed and and gave me that opportunity to learn about it when I did, it was just really intense. But Lauren, I have a question for you. So, you know, a teenager or you know even college age person experiencing this it's really intense and it's really hard and it can impact our lives in so many different ways so when is the best like when is the best time to kind of start talking about this and I mean in school specifically or I guess it you know would really start with the parents um but how would you think the best way to go about that is or what would you what advice would you give to somebody you know who is a teenager or um, college age or younger adult that experiences that intensity firsthand?
2: Well, I think, yeah, I think it usually starts with the parents to have the ability to have hard conversation with their kids and model how to have hard conversations. And what we see is when parents don't do that or don't know how to do that, I'm not blaming them. Some people just don't know how they weren't modeled that either. And so for someone who's never been modeled that and is now a teen or an adult, just realizing this or just waking up, coming out of the fog as we call it, I really think it's all about seeking support and seeking community. And so if somehow they made it to this podcast, you know, reach out to us, talk to us and try to get connected. Heritage camps is a great way if you're a local in Colorado, but people also fly in as well. Um, But I think it's finding that and being careful with groups. I don't know about you guys, but I followed some adoptee groups and they are all negative. There is no positive really in them. It's all just sadness and despair and depression. And that is so important. And we do need to be talking about that 100%. However, when I would go into those groups and read it, I would leave depleted and sad and feel disempowered and so I think it's how do we keep our power while doing hard things through this and reminding ourselves we're not alone there are so many adoptees our community is huge and there is always someone for you whether you resonate with me or Glenna or Deontay or none of us there's a ginormous community out there for you to connect with someone else
0: absolutely yeah thank you lauren thank you for sharing that yeah do you guys have anything else that you want to mention yeah i think we're probably about ready to wrap it up that was a really great conversation thank you both and to our audience if you have any thoughts on this or any any stories that you want to share in relation to you and your experiences with school feel free to reach out we'd love to hear it's really important to as lauren said just continue building that community that is such a baseline goal for this podcast i know for the three of us so thank you all so much and we're excited to hear from you and we are so excited to record episode three so stay tuned for that all right thank you all
1: thank you